You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Lewis Kornfeld. My guest today is the great Adam Twitchell. Thanks for being here, Adam. Thanks for having me. We just finished watching a sketch of yours called Mermaid Wife. Sure. Is that... Lost at Sea? Lost at Sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the the premise of the sketch, please? Sure. Um, it's a, it's a, a man uh, in, a, in a business meeting, and he's... Uh, <laughs> He keeps uh, having these sort of daydreams of the time that right before this that he was lost at sea, um, seemingly f- fell off a ship or something. And uh, yeah, it becomes this very fantastical uh, exploration of his, you know, he, he married a, a mermaid and uh, he winds up eating her, but it keeps cutting away. <laughs> uh, and it's very, it's a kind of somber. Yeah. Which I didn't know how it would play at the time, but yeah. people seem to enjoy it. it. The black outline to the sketch is, I ate my mermaid wife. Yep, it's a little, it's on the nose. Yeah, a very dark, very somber piece, and a showstopper. Uh, it, uh, the, the, your description doesn't do it justice. It's <laughs> like, there's a lot of spectacle involved in it. There's a lot of like... It's very visual. Very yeah. visual. And, and, and some of those like low-rent special effects that I'm a huge, huge fan of, mm. creating the image of the sea using like sheets and... and uh, and paper streamers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I owe a little bit of that to our director, um, but I do in general. Yeah, I like to write sketches that are a little bit have a little bit of uh, uh, production value. Yeah, even if it's just a teeny like it, most of the sketches I write like require me to have to run to a Halloween store. Yeah, that yeah. well, that makes a huge difference. I like a little bit of cheap spectacle goes a really really long way in a small theater. You know, like it leaves an impact on you and it just makes you like. Very very happy to watch. Can you can you walk me through the process of writing that sketch? Because again, it's it is the like hearing it. I believe speaking to Grant before this, we'll be able to put a link to this as well, so you can watch the sketch uh, uh, to get a sense of it. It's really funny. <laughs> it's really really well done. Walk me through the process if you remember it of like coming up with it and, and how you arrived at it. It might have started with the song. Yeah, um, I think I was like late to that song. I didn't. I don't remember. It's a Counting Crows song. Yeah, that I'm sure came out. 15 years ago or something. Uh, and I just heard it recently. And I think originally, I, I always had this idea that, that, that somebody would be in, uh, you know, in a professional setting and that song would come on and it would take them to some weird place where they were daydreaming because they didn't like their job or something. And then it, yeah, I don't know, it got to that, it got to a weird place. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got castaway references in it. Yeah. Yep. It's got an amazing performance by Charlie Nicholson as your mermaid wife. He's beautiful. Uh, he kissed me in one of the versions of it. Yeah. He had lipstick all over me. It was great. The version that that we're linking to this, that was like the first time that you put it up? I this was so. with what team? With Wendigo? This was with Wendigo. Okay. Um, who we were directed by Branson at mm-hmm. the time. Branson Reese. Um, yeah. And he, yeah, he's somebody that he, he was pretty uh, influential and kind of orchestrating that so i uh, I, I tip my cap to him as well um is it when you're working with a director like branson and 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 uh like playing ideas around the room with everybody is it sort of like 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 cutting an album in a way where it's kind of like adding production value to it figuring out ways to to like produce it better and 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 find find more sound to it for sure um 
Yeah, I mean, that, that was a sketch that came together very quickly. Because it doesn't require like a ton of punch up joke wise, but visually, yeah, it was like how can we execute this, uh, and you know, in a, in a, in a weird and, and visually interesting way. And I yeah. think that's yeah, that's where there's streamers and cr- trying to create the ocean and do different things. Yeah. But I'm always looking to do more like that, where it's it's not just people talking and uh, I mean, we, yeah, we all love our quips. Yeah. But it's nice to yeah, it's nice to have something that that uh, is is nice to watch too. Well, so much of it is about the performance too. That it, it it's so melodramatic and it's so moody and sad and melodramatic and earnest at the same time. So combine that with all the with all the special effects that you're surrounding it. It's a really great piece of spectacle. It's like three minutes of spectacle. Yeah, well, thank you. You <laughs> did um, the silent movie show. Uh, did I hear a rumor that that's coming back, or is that not true? Ooh, that's a fun rumor. Yeah. Um, not that I know of. Okay. I would bring it back. Yeah. Um, that was a while ago. That was a fun show. Um, should I, I can explain that. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, I, there was, I, was, I got very obsessed with um, Charlie Chaplin for a second there. I still am. He's great. Yeah. Um, you know, that whole, the whole style is, it just, you have to do so much visually um, that, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I was watching a ton of the movies and, just like doing the walk and, and uh, trying to convey as much possibly uh, through slapstick and uh, and then like having the interplay with that and the title cards mm-hmm. is just like a really fun uh, experiment. How did you do the title cards in the show? Um, well, projection. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was it was basically just like a modern version of um, a Charlie Chaplin movie where he he goes on like online dates. Yeah. And so you're seeing like the. Like some Tinder slides with different uh, profiles, and it's a little, some of it was a little raunchy, but it was it was very fun to put together and try yeah. to think of ways to like modernize and update that format um, for the stage. What got you uh, uh, like into him for a for a hot minute? What like prompted that? Were you just like looking for new things to explore to give you inspiration? I I mean I'm a big fan of genre. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like. It's both. It's sometimes it feels like cheating a little bit, where it, it's like it's easier to write in the style of something else, right? Um, than to just completely um, just make it up from scratch. And so I was, yeah, I was trying to find the trope, like tropes of of silent film era, mm-hmm. um, of just like like well, even any film genre, of like where you have like a meet cute, um, and it's, it's very stylized, and there's. Uh, I think in that in that show it was they were in a pizza parlor. Kevin Cobbs was playing this like big mustached pizza boss who was like um, like you know kicking me in the butt and uh, uh, putting together like these pizza boxes, which is another very visual thing of yeah. which is something I had to learn at a restaurant job. But uh, yeah, we had, we had Rebecca Robles, so I thought was like perfect to play this sort of like Ooh. yeah and. Uh, yeah, it's just that everybody's like, a, you know, goo goo gaga over her. And um, that was just, it comes through a couple of different scenes. We did one of these um, in a later version of it. We did like a, like almost like a psychedelic scene. We've seen this before where somebody brings in like a pile of cocaine and gets sneezed on and goes everywhere. It's a classic. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, but to like combine it with that world. Which is normally very, you know, because it's old timey. It's it's not as uh, 
I don't know, raunchy or weird. It's like you know, nobody goes to the, those weird, gross places. So, well, one like I was really into Charlie Chaplin for a while too, and and it's actually surprising. There's an interesting arc to his career, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the stuff that people kind of are familiar with are like his masterpieces, and I don't like them nearly as much as his earlier, rougher stuff. Mm-hmm. There, there's like once he became. Um, like an artist and he had to have like a message about humanity behind everything. And right. Like once he became like the face of humanity, the tramp was like the archetype that represents the everyman. I think something like snuck into his movies that, that was like a little bit poisonous feeling. There was like, he overplayed the pathos of it. Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, yeah, modern times was, was very, uh, yeah, it was like shitting on the, <laughs> yeah, having to work in a factory and, how awful everybody that, yeah. that lifestyle is, and, um, and then yeah, and then finally what was it with the the dictator, the great dictator. That, that speech where you you see that speech like in every once in a while somebody posts it on social media yeah. and I'm like yes yeah was it the person where he says where he's like uh, you're not machines you're men yeah. It's, like, yeah it's very uh, prescient it, yes it is it, I, sometimes I think about like the the, the what that must have been like for him. Cause he was like the first real megastar. He was the first true star of the modern, um, uh, like popular age. He was the first person for like everybody in the world knew this guy's face for performance. You know, um, uh, there's like pictures of him when he's like 22 years old, surrounded by like a hundred million people at a war bond rally. And like, I can only imagine what a head fuck that must be for somebody who's just doing like musical hall pantomime, to suddenly feel this like pressure to have to say something really important to people. And he had like a lot of courage too. He really screwed his life up by doing stuff like that in the great dictator. People really got pissed off by how messagey he became. (laughs) But Um, if you look at his early um, movies, like there's kind of like a filth to them. They're like a little bit gross. There's a movie called easy street where one of the shots, there's a guy shooting up cocaine in like a really, Oh man. Okay. Charlie Chaplin plays a cop in this in this movie, and and he's uh, there's like a, a the the bully on the streets who everybody's afraid of, and the bully's like coming after Charlie Chaplin, so he ends up like falling falling into this basement apartment where this this junkie is shooting up, and the guy drops his needle, and Chaplin falls on the needle, and it stabs him in the ass, and then he gets a shot of cocaine, and he goes crazy on the cocaine and starts beating on the bully. That's how he he gets like super strength from the cocaine. Well, there you go. So I didn't even really come up with that. <laughs> I do that all the time. Powdered cocaine. Uh, a little different. A little different. <laughs> a little different. Um, yeah. That happened. That's, that's, this is like one of the big struggles of, of sketch writing is like uh, you're always like searching for like, has it been done? Yeah. Has it been, you, you, you try to, <laughs> you'll, you'll put in like on Google, you know, like dildo priest or something. Some, right. Some, or I don't know, some combination of, a dumb sketch name and hope to God that it hasn't been done in some format. Um, well, that's an interesting question because everything's been done. So, so what do you look for when you're writing that gives you that sense of originality to it? That is tough. Um, it's, it's usually, it changes depending on the group of people that you're with. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like people bring out different things in, in performance. Um, and there's just different nuance to do with, you know, um, uh, but it, yeah, I would say it, hap- it happens very frequently um, where I'll write something and I'll bring it in and I didn't do enough like research. Yeah. And it's one of those like Simpsons did it things yeah. where people are like, 
it's really it makes people feel really uncomfortable and bad because they're like, um, I saw that yeah. an episode of South Park, and then we're like, up, oh, and then usually as a team you come together and we say like, how can we kind of tilt this in a, in a different way right. or focus it in on a particular character viewpoint or some in a way where it's, we're not just directly stealing the idea because a lot of a lot of games and a lot of like um situations obviously have been played out so yeah i remember yeah. a few years ago i was in um uh becky drysdale's class and she did you ever do anything with her no she's a really good teacher she recommended that we watch all the warner brothers cartoons she mm. was like for homework assignments it was always like go watch cartoons get away from just looking at just improv and sketch comedy look at at comedy history and see how much of that history just keeps on reappearing so like know the sources you know figure out the games and it's true like there are so many there are so many bits just in bugs bunny cartoons that that you're like oh yeah i did that last week not nearly as well yeah and now like <laughs> you know having that game in mind it 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 i don't know where i'm going with this but it challenges you to be a little bit smarter and a little bit better and to play it out a little bit more fully, you know? I'm, I mean, it's something that happens all the time where I'll be in an improv scene, I'll be thinking, like, it'd be great if you know, an anvil fell or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm really obsessed with the, that, that black, the Acme spot thing, yeah. um, which is an impossible thing to achieve in a sketch or there's no way to, like... That happened in real life this week. I forget. Oh. <laughs> I forget what news source I read it on, but somebody, like a graffiti artist, painted a tunnel on a on a brick wall, one of those like um, Roadrunner tunnels, mm-hmm. and a driver smashed headfirst into the tunnel. Oh no! Yeah, I mean that's horrible. I don't think anyone was like seriously hurt, but um, somebody might have been laughing. Possible, but... yeah. It's I mean, <laughs> it, it is a little. Assuming nobody was killed, it is kind of funny. It's horrible. Yeah. You should look a little more closely. You should be able to tell the difference. Well, well, it's not for me to judge. I wasn't there. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so you, you're performing now with uh, Student Council. The mm-hmm. sketch that we were just talking about was when to go yep. put it up. Um, so I'm curious about like the, the difference that it makes with the people that you're with. So you have like a core idea of something that makes you laugh. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to talk a little bit about being in the room with Wendigo versus being in the room with student council, the, sure. different, the different ways that the group itself will help to kind of figure out the comedy? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, you, I'd probably end up with not very different sketches, but you'd probably have to see some different jokes, yeah. different, different executions of um, the ideas. I think people just individually yeah, just think differently about those types of things. Um, I think with, with Wendigo, uh, yeah, it was definitely more visual thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and now, yeah, I think, it, it, I don't know if this is accurate, but yeah, student council, we're really good with like punch up jokes. Mm-hmm. And that's a, uh, we're uh, directed by Gianna, who's also very, she's really good at uh, blowing something out, um, you know, with, with production and lighting and sound and thinking, more on that vein. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What was, it, what was the question? How it, it's different? Yeah, like, is the process of working with the different groups, uh, uh, does it pull, like, does it pull a different, a different quality of idea out of you? Um, it, it really depends. It's like, it's, it's, it depends on how much everybody brings um, to the table, with each table read, like, yeah. Um, with their ideas or their how passionate they are, but like if some if somebody brings in a sketch and it for whatever reason isn't getting people excited, 
uh, it's tough. It's a tough thing to like suss out of people if you, if people don't like understand the game or they don't. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Some people sometimes people just it's like taste. Yeah. But every once in a while something will hit that like everybody is exploding over and everybody's got a ton of ideas and then it's just a matter of um, another hard part of it is just like you'll end up with a lot of different games. People kind of latch on to different things that they liked. Right. We could and, do this. We could do that. We could do this. Yeah. And so you end up with, I'm, I do everything in Google Docs. So I'm like, I'm like writing all this stuff down and you're looking at it later and you're like, what? Yeah. I could, there's any number of things I could, <laughs> directions I could go and you end up just having to cull together what, what's the strongest thing. And hopefully you're, yeah, you're taking the best parts of what everybody said, but. Have you ever had something that didn't get a response that you fought really hard for? Um, um, probably. I'm trying to think of a specific thing. Mm. Like the one sketch idea that, that got away. Just yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because sketches like that you'll put, you'll put on the back burner, and then you'll like give it a little zhuzhing yeah. down the road, and you'll like dump it on a new team, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, what's a good example of that? I, th- I kind of just did that with this Wonka sketch. Like I originally wrote it, I, uh, it was a sketch about like making fun of Google. Like the Google campus was the new like, uh, uh, you know, chocolate factory. Yeah. And it wasn't working. And somebody just said, why don't you just change, like, I think it was Branson. It was just, like change it to uh, just like Charlie you know, giving this company to Charlie, who's was a child and like has no business like running a company. Yeah. <laughs> and it ended up being like way better. So I just, yeah, I wasn't in general. I'm like not super married to, um, my original idea. So I guess that's why I don't know. I, I can, I can kind of be flexible about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what's another reason? Oh, I've been trying to write an inside out sketch forever. Ugh. What's the stumbling block? What's the thing you're going for? I think we're, we're realizing that it's just not appropriate for a guy to be writing about like a preteen teenage girl. Yeah. Like coming of age. I'm trying, it's like trying to add a, um, a new emotion that's like, like horniness. Uh-huh. And they just did it on The Daily Show and I was furious. <laughs> oh, yeah. They did it in like a 30-second bit and I was like, ugh. Um, and it was fine, but... Uh, yeah, it's just, there's something weird about trying to deal with that. I'd like to like pass it off to a, a girl who would be, you know, be more right attuned more to, able what, to what a teenage girl is going through. Right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a funny idea, but you also want it to kind of like reflect, it's gotta, ha- it's gotta be grounded in something that like you're able to comment on from experience, right? Like there's gotta be, there's gotta be like a, um, like a core thing. I deal with this cause I, I, I write, um, kind of like sci-fi stories, you know, for this other show. And, and whenever things break apart for me, it's because I just have kind of a cool idea, but there isn't really any, anything rooted in like experience that I understand. Mm. So I'm not able to, to find a parallel in a way that seems like meaningful or interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it would be tough to represent an adolescent girl's, I ended up just asking a girl. Yeah. Just like, what, what was it like? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was all like, yeah, it was like obvious things of like, you know, you, you have your period. And again, though, it's like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't, I don't, I don't want to act like an authority right. on that kind of thing. But uh, still, I'm going to keep plugging. 
we'll get it we'll get it in there now that it, now that this is out in the world yeah <laughs> you're going to be inundated with emails now for suggestions <laughs> one of it, it's cool though the way that you're describing it cuz it, it sounds like a big part is like once you have the premise just kind of asking yourself how the sketch would play out from different characters points of view seems like a really smart approach to figure out better jokes yeah i mean i i, I like sketches that require a certain amount of research yeah um, C- can you can you give like an example uh, well, even the the chocolate factory one, like that, I, I basically I turned like Wonka into a monster, mm-hmm. uh, like he was a like a evil businessman mm-hmm. who was basically uh, like a drug lord. Um, and in so doing, yeah, I like looked into like how different, uh, I don't know, people who work in a corporate setting, mm-hmm. how they screw over uh, their companies and. Um, yeah, I was looking into ways that that, that like that the uh, like the factory couldn't sustain itself. Like right. their, their their business practices are crazy. They like, um, yeah, they like <laughs> like their R and D budget must be crazy. Yeah, uh, because they have all these weird rooms. That there's seemingly they're spending money on on superfluous things. But it's like you know, it's a fantasy movie. That's a that's a good way to look at it, though. That's a, a, like it's. Qu- cool to to do a ton of research too like it's, it's cool to like go sussing around to find jokes where you wouldn't expect the jokes to be mm. coming from I, I read a thing about I think it was the writing room for Cheers where like they had a rule that if like two people pitched the same joke at the same time based on a premise they would immediately cut that joke because mm. the idea was if if more than one writer is thinking of this based on this scenario, then it's too obvious. The audience is also going to kind of see it coming. So they have mm. to like push further to something more original. So it's like, it's a, it's a cool idea to be digging into a premise, but then to look in like parallels in real life and start looking for information that like you wouldn't be thinking about like, okay, an R and D department, where's the joke in an R and D department? It's like not the first place that you would think of to find comedy. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that sketch was, I didn't, I didn't want it to just stay there. I thought that was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. So just to add like the, some drug element or make him like very, Oh, he had like whores. He had all these like, <laughs> that's where he spent all his money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the kind of thing. I think that, I don't know if that came from the room. I gave a lot of credit to the room. I got like, um, you know, I, I, a lot of the times I'll bring in something that's like very bare bones. It's like mm-hmm. a page. Um, and then what, what you get from the room, you can build out the whole sketch. It's whatever people are responding the most to. What would be like an example of the kind of idea that you would be excited to bring in? Like, cause it seems like your, your ideas are like very simple. You're really good at taking a simple concept and fleshing it out and finding great stuff mm-hmm. out of it. So what would be, what would be like a concept that you would be excited to bring into the room and have people start to dig into? Let me, uh, let me get my phone. Oh, this is exciting. I see a real idea. Here. Oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, my method is just to, uh, it's, it'll be like one in the morning, Yeah, and I'll be like, hey, <laughs> here's an idea, and I scrawl some random thing in my phone, or I'll be in the shower. It's Perfect. It's a great place for ideas. Oh, okay. So this is, here's one. Who knows what this will be? It just says Neverland Pirate. Um, I think what, I'm, what I do there... <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody in Neverland is like trapped. It's not just you know Peter who stays young; they all have to stay one age. Right. I think that would be like the most miserable thing. Yeah. 
for a pirate yeah. to just, just like the stupidest life is just constantly having to fight children <laughs> for his entire, and he can't leave. Every, like Peter gets to leave. Yeah. There's also even like within Neverland, there's nowhere else to go either. Like the pirates are always just like in that bay, right? Like all yeah. they do is sit and wait for Captain Hook to plot more shit against it's Peter really Pan. Empty life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would just. <laughs> I would think they'd be like very despondent. Um, I'll give you. I'll give, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Somebody's gonna steal these. <laughs> um, this is really dumb. Uh, whatever. Uh, uh, this is just like going off of the word landlord. L- landlord is a very like a feudal concept. So I just want to see, I just want to see like a very like, like kingly landlord who's just, I don't know, has like a squire uh, and is demanding things from his tenants that like a, a king would demand. Great. Some kind of conscription. I don't know. Yeah. Not all of these are going to be great. Good. No, yeah. that's great. <laughs> <clears throat> that could, yeah, that's the kind of thing I could bring that in that could get nothing or. Or people will love it, and you're fine. Like you're, you're. It's easy for you to let it go. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't have a, a thin skin about yeah. your ideas. Yeah. yeah. So, so going back to Wendigo for a second, you, the team has done a lot of traveling, right? You've been to like Sketchfest. And, we did, and uh, you've been to Chicago a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. We did Chicago twice. Yeah. Um, San Francisco was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are always really fun. Um, just to see what other people are doing from yeah. all over the country. And you get a nice big stage. It's interesting to see how things play out when your you know, magnet has a smaller stage and things can feel bigger. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because we did, we had another sketch we did. Uh, it was a pizza version of Les Mis, which played very well in, on the magnet stage. and did pretty good in Chicago, but we were in like a huge room. Um, and we're not all the best singers and we're, we're belting out, you know, Les Mis lyrics replaced by pizza things. So, it, and it, yeah, I think it, it just did well in Magnet because it was people know us and yeah. the, the casting was like kind of very specific and people kind of looked like who they might end up being. Mm. Um, but always a fun experiment. Um, and all, yeah, all those shows. Yeah. I, I, I highly encourage everybody to do those festival shows because you get to kind of mix it up with with all different people and they always have nice parties. There's also something like in my mind, having never done uh, like a sketch fest, there's something kind of like romantic and old fashioned about like packing up your trunk with your props and your wigs mm-hmm. and like hitting the road <laughs> for like a tour of your best sketches. It's it, like when I was in my chaplain phase, I read everything I could get my hands on. And, and I actually like the stuff about his biographies that I most enjoyed were his early years before he became successful and they just vaudeville, all the vaudeville stuff. And, and you know, like the Fred Carno company was the big company out in England that would just send people all around the world to do the best of Fred Mm -hmm. Carno reviews. And, uh, it just seemed like, like the greatest lifestyle. I'm sure it was shitty and horrible. And like everybody died of alcoholism when they were like (laughs) 40 and it was like terrible. Uh, and you're staying in these like horrible hotel rooms, but, but there was something so like pure, about like the show biz of yeah. It. Well, it's the closest as you know, sketch performers and improvisers that you can get to the kind of lifestyle of of being a stand up or hitting the road. Yeah, um, not quite the same, and yeah. you're not getting paid, but 
you're paying. But <laughs> but, but there is like that experience of like you, you don't know what the next town is going to bring. You yeah. don't know what the what the space is going to like. One thing may work wonderfully in one space and, and bomb horribly in another space. It's like that kind of exciting thing of meeting new audiences and having those variables to play with. Absolutely. You also run into like tech. It's always like a tech thing. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times it's. It's like, well, they your your show is in a keynote, but they want it in in something else, yeah. and then it's you're never it's almost never the right thing. Um, it's always exciting. And it's like part of the thrill of sketch, isn't it? That it's like always like a hair's breadth away from kind of completely falling apart. Yeah, it's well, it's the stupidest thing. It's like yeah. somebody forgot their some mask or some stupid thing. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I. Whenever I travel to do improv, I like I get like horrible stomach cramps and I'm like sick to my stomach right before shows. And I always find myself wishing that I was either a musician or a sketch comedian, mm. so I at least knew what I was coming up to do and was confident in it. I always kind of feel like uh, I'm like selling these people a bill of goods, and I'm just going to get out here and not be able to to carry a scene forward. Traveling around <laughs> and and I mean, have you traveled for improv? Mm-hmm. Do do you feel any more security traveling with? with like sketches that have been tested or is it oh, sort yeah, of the sure. same? Th- yeah. Well, it's weird. Like sometimes you have some assumptions about how things are going to go. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it, it usually matches up um, there. Yeah. But there's definitely things that play have played well and with New York audiences that don't necessarily hit as hard in Chicago. Yeah. Um, like you have to know that going in, like you build out a show that's maybe a little broader um, or more like, Simpler, I don't know. Not that, not that it's like the Midwestern audience is, is is that different. But I think people hear like weirder things. Yeah. Or like you know, it doesn't have to have the strongest game. It can be kind of kooky and bizarre. I'm kind of like fascinated by, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know that this is like a big thing in New York necessarily. But I'm, I'm not a part of the sketch community, so I could be totally wrong about this. Please, mm-hmm. please um, fill me in if I'm wrong. Okay. The art of like a running order and the art of figuring out how to protect certain sketches and and to know that like if one thing is going to bomb, you can make an audience forget about that bomb by putting in something else right after that that is like a palate cleanser. Like the challenge from a directing standpoint to create a running order and to be able to on your feet kind of mess with that running order and like better design it for a festival or that seems to me like a really exhilarating challenge. It is. It's tough. Um I'm not usually the one that's in charge of it, but it definitely, um, it matters for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you know, like what the strongest things are. Um, but that's why like having like blackouts and things, um, a lot of it's just for, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, just for like flow or just to like, just so people have time to like make, um, costume changes and totally. stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a, uh, it is like there's, it, it, you, you want to like have a different, I don't know, uh, energies. Like sometimes something will be very slow. Um, and it's like making like a big point or something. And the next thing's going to be the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of, yeah, you want to keep the audience on their toes. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm in a position now where I'm feeling like I would love to start doing a little more directing, mm-hmm. um, being the one to kind of decide that. Cause it's, it's very, yeah, it's fun. It's a, definitely a challenge, but, uh, 
Well, what what are things not? And I don't mean this as like a knock to other directors, mm-hmm. but what are things that you would do differently? Having 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 been around the block now a few times, like what would your approach be to running a room? What would your approach be to setting up a show? What would you look for to make a really good tight show? Um, I see a director predominantly as like a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody brings a lot of different things to the table, and I feel like sometimes there's not waste, but like people. People want to learn how to do different things. And so normally it's like, a pe- you know, everybody gets assigned these different responsibilities. Some of them aren't so fun. Some of them is like, like budgeting. <laughs> but um, especially with writing, like facilitating uh, people to, uh, you know, come up with ideas and, 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 you know, use the team to the best of your ability to, to suss out like what people are trying to do. Because a lot of times, yeah, people just like don't, maybe they just don't, you just don't have an idea. But then you kind of have to reframe, you know, you ask the right questions to try to get people to, you know, latch onto something and, yeah, just like encourage their, their creativity or mm-hmm. stoke it. Um, yeah, I think that's what my approach would be. And then you have to do it at every stage. So it's like, for, you know, during the writing, during the performance, and then trying to bring the most out of, uh, you know, how, you, how you're going to stage it. So, yeah, I think it's... It's like helping everybody kind of be, do their best work. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. You just have to be very focused on every possible, uh, I don't know, improvement that you can make. And I, I mean, I, I'm of the philosophy that like nothing's ever done. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, things go through a million drafts, and even the day of, I'm always thinking like, it depends on how comfortable performers are with like just switching lines the day of. But that's it's exciting to me. I love the you know if there's a best line, if somebody has an idea that's like even better than what we already have, let's do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Always be improving. There, I read um, an interview with Bob Odenkirk where he was talking about the the room in Mr. Show, um, where he was like a very very tough critic. Mm-hmm. But even when he didn't like something, rather than kill it immediately, he mm-hmm. would like harp on it mm-hmm. um, to get to the bottom of like why this excited the original writer to begin with uh, like coming at it from from the point of view that there's something to every sketch in there it might be buried really deep mm-hmm. but there's some angle to look for that might be able to kind of unlock the thing that originally made you laugh um which is kind of a cool a cool way to look at it like i, I like that idea of working with people who who are are asking the right questions yep who are going in with the assumption that there's already something here we just have to figure it out rather than just kind of throwing something out immediately. Yeah, I mean, this is the case, especially with, um, yeah, the Magnet program, which has come a really long way. Yeah. I think we're in our third, fourth year now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gone, it's had some different names, but yeah, people are kind of operating on, on some different levels and we're all learning together um, and ha- yeah, sort of fostering that um, a willingness to to, you know, Offer criticism in a constructive way, yeah. um, and not be, you know, very, um, yeah, thin-skinned about about your ideas and being. You have to be very willing to kind of completely rewrite something if, yeah. if it's that. That's like the biggest problem you, you find is if, if somebody's really married to something, they they can't like they've built this skeleton of a sketch and to like rip it out is like very painful. Sure, and I've just gotten used to being like, eh, it's whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's got to go. It's got to have a fundamentally different structure now, so we're just gonna 
we're going to start from scratch. You get into that with like line readings too. It's like the famous thing with like setting line readings too early is like once you get it in there, it becomes impossible to take mm. notes. You just like, you'll listen to a note, you'll intellectually understand it, and you'll go mm. right back to the original idea that you had. It's just like you wore, wore that groove in so deep. Mm-hmm. It's like impossible to change it. You just either have to kill it or or give it to somebody else. Yeah. So this is a question I like. You've been involved in the sketch program here for for a long time. Mm-hmm. So where is it now versus where it was when you started? What are what are the differences in it now that you notice? Um, I think a good word would be like polish. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of great directors who have been around for a while themselves, and um, it's just thinking of all these things that we we might not have necessarily been thinking of in the beginning. Um, have you know incorporating tech in a way where you know we were always sort of doing it but but now it's like we're actively thinking in the room before we even put something up how can we um you know make this the best that it can be uh you, you know using light and sound using the projector uh i don't know doing all sorts of know, i'm trying to think about it in the early stages i mean it was just in the training center yeah. we, there wasn't even enough of an audience yeah um and even, i think now it's everything's just more structured. There's just, you know, there are rules. <laughs> like you, you have to go to, you have to attend, a, you know, a certain amount of meetings. The, the, the division between, you know, writer performer has been solidified a little more, which I think helps define, you know, what people are doing a little better. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, when we started, everybody did everything. So, and we, and now we're, I'm still doing that, but, it, but it, um, yeah, it helps people focus for sure. Yeah. That's something like, Armando has, has always talked about that for as long as I've known him. He's like insisted on patience and, mm. and it's like, if you want something to be really good and you want something to be really smart and you want it to be high quality, you got to be patient with it. And, and, and that means you, you can't lose it because things are taking time and you can't lose it because at first things are not working. It, which I've always like, some people have reacted badly to that. Some people have reacted very well to that <laughs> but like it, you know you, you see it in the way that everything has gotten so tight and so good it, like I'm really impressed with the level of output at the theater these days it's yeah. really really great I think it goes hand in hand with like people's confidence as writers and performers yeah so when you uh, yeah I think in the early days a lot of us were very green um, and you just you know when you're a confident writer you just you know you you go out of your way to make everything very clear in mm. your sketch, and then you you go out of your way when you know to when you're performing it to hit the right notes. Um, and yeah, now I feel like yeah, everybody's like this is one of those like rising tides thing. Yeah, where multiple people are there's somebody in every room or multiple people who go out of their way to like you know really suss out what's going on. Um, it's great, and it, it makes everybody better. What have you gotten better at over the years? Like, if you were if you were to talk to a younger version of yourself right now and share some wisdom, what would what would that be? It's probably just work ethic. Yeah. Uh, like not th- thinking that you, you you wrote a thing and now you think you're just going to put that up. Yeah. <laughs> Almost nothing is is good on a f- first or second draft. It's going to take a little bit of work. Um. That's probably the biggest thing. I would say, and to uh, not be afraid of that work, to not to not oh, yeah. to not see that need of work to be like that. That means that you're like a failure, or you fucked it up, or yeah, or, allowing yourself to. Fa- I mean, that goes for just anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the the process of of like initially writing a sketch is it's a 
It's very annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible. Because <laughs> you're if you if you know if you allowed yourself to say yeah, every new idea is bad, you're never gonna like get anything done. Yeah. So you just you have to allow yourself to just pursue a path, and it might not be the best execution of it. Um, but yeah, you have to like put something on paper, or else you'll just never get anything done. Yeah. There and um, I would imagine too that there's like a little bit of like if you go back and like reread like old like notebooks mm-hmm. from when you were younger and there's mm-hmm. that like embarrassing I've been thing doing of it. like or how do you, how do you tolerate that are you can, are you capable of doing it I I have a very hard You're time like disgusted with yourself yeah very, yeah <laughs> real quickly real quickly uh, well it's just like a lot of it's like lazy yeah and a lot it's just not focused yeah there's like it just it's like floating all over the place and there's like random jokes in there that don't like suit the main thing. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not, I, it makes me like feel good that I don't, I'm not like that anymore. Even in a way I'm like, wow, that was like kind of a good idea. I might, uh, give that another crack yeah. and do it better. Um, but it's all, yeah. I mean, at this point, every time you write something and it stinks, I mean, I, it's like I'm archiving all this stuff. So I'm just sitting on, like hundreds of terrible sketches. And it's like, what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> do you delete all of those? Do you keep them hanging around? It's just like... But some of them are like terrible now, but they're like, in in six months from now, you might find that one of those old terrible sketches gives you exactly the idea that yeah. you need. So it's still just that thing of like, everything's a work in progress, really. Nothing's finished. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. It is. Well, unless, unless something... Yeah, is just like a real like what a would real be what, what would it have to be for you to just delete it forever from your from your uh, Google Docs? You would just have to have no confidence in it at all. Yeah, well, this is and this is the other thing with improv. Like, uh, because I have all of, I I've, at some point I've you know that the idea that you've you've thought of something and you've written it down. It's like it's a little bit of a memory, mm-hmm. and sometimes something will come up in an improv scene, and I'll be like, uh oh. Here's a chance to you, this is like the only time I might be able to use this because yeah. it's never going to make it to a sketch, um, and then yeah, that's that's where a lot of that stuff comes up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 let's talk about improv for a little bit. Sure. Um, do you have a preference between those two? Improv and sketch are are, are they seem to me to be cousins of each for other. Sure. There's a family resemblance, but they're not exactly brother and sister. Uh, um, do you have a preference of the one or the other, or are you very happy leaping back and forth between both? Um, and then they feed each other. I think, yeah, I mean, it's just nothing new, but yeah, <laughs> doing improv helps you be a better writer. Yeah. It helps you just play out. I always think of improv as like, we've played out like a million scenarios, some of these most bizarre and it, you know, um, situations that it helps you just like think out um, where things can go. Yeah. You play all the characters, you, you talk to yourself like a crazy person. Um, yeah, every time you write, you're doing a one-man show, essentially. Yeah. Um, do you, when you, I'm sorry to go back to writing for a second, but, mm-hmm. but I'm always curious about this. Do you um, talk to yourself when you're writing, or do you like sit in front of a computer and actually hash it out? Uh, it's a computer. Yeah. What do you mean, like, talk to yourself? Like, I have you... to talk to my, Like, <laughs> when I'm writing, and I don't write comedy but when, even when I'm writing like straight up stories, mm-hmm. I have to speak out loud and, and like play the scene out myself, or else I that I get I only get writer's block when I'm sitting to write, 
But if huh. I start speaking through, I guess it's just years of improv practice Interesting. that once I'm speaking it out loud, I, I start to kind of hmm. feel the direction that it wants to be moving in and, and, and kind of follow it there. So when I'm writing, I have to shut the door and I sound like a crazy person yeah. because I'm sitting there talking to myself. I don't, I feel like a crazy person, but I don't talk to myself. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Uh, you just recently got put onto music industry. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. They're great. They've been around for coming on two or three years. Three? No. Three, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, strong team, strong mm-hmm. addition to the team. Awesome. <laughs> uh, um, and you also perform with Eagle Fox. Uh, uh, we have a show this Monday, which will be by the time you're listening to this podcast, that oh. will be two Mondays ago. Oops. But no, that's okay. Go online and look up Eagle Fox. Uh, uh, um, what's the secret to Eagle Fox's success? You guys have been a, a prolific group for, for years. Uh, um, I would say one of the, like, the most visible indie groups I can, I can think of. Sure. What's the key to it, man? Camaraderie, baby. Beautiful thing. Um, well, a big chunk of us all went to Fordham together. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, so we were doing mostly sketch at Fordham, um, and we hooked up with uh, Pete Collins a little later. Uh, Pete Collins is now out in uh, Chicago. Doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just a thing of, we, yeah, you just kind of know each other's brains, and you can kind of, uh, you just make a move, and everybody's already kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. Uh, it's that, yeah, it's that weird group think of friends. Uh, we don't. Yeah, we don't do enough anymore. Yeah, we had our we had our, our Inspirato run back in the day. You were one of the first winners of Inspirato. That's right. Your challenge was to shave your heads and then create a a, a masterpiece of art off of the hair. Thanks right? to Dennis Pacheco. I, he's that's the only way that we would have made anything worth a damn. He created the hair Mona Lisa, which mm-hmm. used to hang in the magnet bathroom for a while and was just so disgusting. It just needed a, some plexiglass. Yeah. Yep. And then it sat in my apartment for two years. Where is it now? It's in a dump. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I, I could have gone through the effort of, of taking a, a, a painting made of hair to somebody who could have encased it in something. Yeah. But I'm sure I like, don't want to pay for that. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the thing. I'm sure like a framer, like somebody in the art world uh, is like more than used to dealing with like much weirder stuff than that. But it's probably very expensive. Yeah. A taxidermist. I mean, sure. Maybe that's where we could have gone. He could have just. Yeah, sure. I just, any like any like framer should be able to do it. Right. You just need to put it. You just need like a frame half an inch uh, uh, above the actual piece and then glass in front of it. I mean, human hair does not break down. Is that true? Uh, I mean, in the three years that we had it, yeah. I mean, it was it was holding it was holding up. Nice, robust. Nice. <laughs> did um, did I meet you at Fordham? I, I used to go and and play there a few times. Like I, I would go with a touring company, and I'd go with the boss to do shows. Like I met I met Peter Collins when he was still a student there. I was not there. Okay, we had a weird in college. There was. I wouldn't call it, it wasn't animosity, but it was, there was a, like a division between the sketch and improv people, which made no sense. And I think afterwards disbanded, but everyone's very serious in college. Yeah. Everyone takes college stuff super, super seriously. Not that we yeah. don't now that we're grownups, we still take things yeah. way too seriously, but, but like in college, like, you know, romances can break up based on your affinity for improv or sketch in college. Right. Well, I'm, what was the division in Fordham? 
I don't know. We were all under the same uh, roof. We were yeah. all under this um, Fordham Experimental Theater. Yeah. And so we were like sharing. The, the, there was very little crossover. Um, I remember, yeah, like Pete did sketch for two seconds and then left. I, th- I don't know. There might have been some some dictatory personalities at the time. Yeah. Or something. Uh, uh, among like staff or among the students? Students. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to film school and we had, there was like a very strict thing. We were, we were in the same department as the theater program, but there was a very strict rule that they were not allowed to work with us, um, which I thought was the stupidest rule in the world. The reason was because working with film students who have no discipline mm. and no sense of the craft are only going to pollute the actor's discipline. Like they're trying, they're trying to embed good habits and, and so we're only going to screw that up. Which I thought was incredibly stupid. And this was this was like actors and film students were actively trying to get together, mm. which was the difference. It was among the faculty that it was like a hard and fast rule. Completely idiotic. Very stupid. Very stupid. There's a certain amount of that shit where it's just like you have to kind of um, feel solid with your voice or feel solid with 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 like your affiliation, and and part of that is kind of defining yourself against other people for a little bit of time, I think. Well, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was, as a sketch person, I always thought, like, I can't do that. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to, I can't, how do they do that? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, at the time, yeah. And I, I, I remember looking at Pete and seeing the shows they were doing and being, like, mystified. Yeah. The same way that, every, you know, people who don't know about this world look at it like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Until you, yeah, and then you just, like, learn the structures. I'm so, I'm kicking myself for not doing magnet stuff earlier. I still, when I'm watching other people improvise, <clears throat> I still, honest to God, uh, uh, will we'll watch like great performers and, mm. and be like baffled by what they're doing. That's true. It, yeah. it, it's like, it's not like the technique of it. I, I I understand the technique behind it, but it's just the thing of of like some things can't be explained. Yeah, you're just like so amazed at how brilliant people can be mm-hmm. uh, that then the thought of like, oh, I have to be on that stage in five minutes. It's like, oh, God damn it. I have nothing. I'm a completely boring, empty human being. And then you get up and you do it anyway. It's fine. That's why like when a, when a sketch team follows an improv team, yeah. there's something, I don't know, <laughs> like we, they just made this whole thing up on their own and now we're going to come up here with our wigs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel, yeah, it feels like a lesser thing unless it's really good. Well, that's the that, expectation is that it's going to be yes. much better. That's the thing. It, it, it really any of those permutations are, are just entirely dependent on the quality to it. Because if an improv group shits the bed, and then you have to go up and do do your sketches, you have to face the kind of like muffled hostility of an audience that's just been mm-hmm. bored for twenty minutes, <laughs> or they might be looking to you for some kind of salvation from this. Like you're the salvage crew that's going to like give them something to enjoy. Conversely, if you come on the heels of a group that really killed it and, and was like super inspired, now you have to kind of like be sure that you're bringing your A plus game to it. I don't know. I it, like it always comes down to the benchmark of like, well, are you just doing good work or not? It, yeah, we're doing. There's a new show at Magna called Work Cited. Yeah, that is this very thing. Um, but everything it's all it's all very good. Where. <laughs> Yeah, we're putting up sketches, and then a group of improvisers does improv off of those sketches, which is an interesting uh, sort of exercise in exploring the world of of these weird sketches we just wrote. Um, How direct are they to the sketches? Like, are they meant to be like, okay, I'm playing that character now, or are they? Can it be like a loosely inspired thing? I think it's both. Yeah. Um, 
they're, I don't know if they're required to, but they'll, they'll pull actual characters from the sketches off the sidelines, and then those people have to like, <laughs> be in a new oh, okay. scene. Yep. Cool. That's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to keep doing it. It's another, another fun deadline just to have to, it's, yeah, just, it's making us like, you know, on top of my regular sketch season, just keep generating, which is something that I think we all, every, every writer needs just more deadlines. Yeah. Um, you're very busy. You do a lot of stuff between, I mean, you're performing with Eagle Fox coming up, but you also, you now perform regularly with music industry, perform regularly with student council. Uh, um, and then you have a full-time career outside of comedy as well, right? Not at the moment. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, then that question is null and void. <laughs> is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, it's an interesting time. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, you know, uh, quarter life. Not a, it's not a crisis, but it's a rediscovery of, of where, I don't know, I'm not really sure where I'm going to end up here. I was yeah. working in advertising for a, a little bit, um, and that was fun. I still might stay there, but... Yeah, I'm. Comedy is like this thing that I, I feel like I'm not doing it. I'm like doing a, a disservice to my life and yeah. my goals. So yeah, who, we, I don't know. I don't know where we're gonna end up, but it'll, uh, it's exciting. <laughs> it's yeah, it sure is. It, it ha, ha, how long have you always known that comedy and is is a core part of your goals and a core part of your identity? Um, yeah, I mean, right out of college, yeah. I was it was pretty dead set on just like hammering away. But you just don't know. You just you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and what like what the work is going to be and how anything's going to play out. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to know. I don't know. Uh, like what? You, everybody wants to know. Like, what's the process? What's the path? Like, what's the path to success? And there is none. It's just it's any. It's just keep doing something until you're. You just get better and better and better and better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it goes back to like that patience thing too, mm-hmm. where it, where I forget who said this, but like like the early punk bands ended up getting really good despite themselves, just because mm. they were playing all the time. Right. Like they couldn't help it. it. It was like against their aesthetic to be good, and they couldn't help but get better. I don't know if that's true or not, because I don't know shit about music, but <laughs> but I kind of like improvisers will get better just from doing it a lot. Yeah. And then newer people coming up will see that and they will begin to imitate and then they'll improve on it from doing it a lot. And, and it's the Gladwell thing. With yeah, the, it's the 10,000 hour thing. Um, but I definitely, a big part of it, yeah, it's putting reps in. But I think when I was younger, it was a lot of expectation. There's a lot of like, you're always thinking, well, if I do this, it's going to lead to this. Right. Um, but you really, it's like, it's something I'm trying to just completely eliminate. Yeah. Um, cause every time I, I, megawatts, a great example where in my first megawatt team, you're terrified you're not, you know, comfortable in your own skin necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then after a few months you start to realize like, Oh, uh, this isn't so bad. Um, and you just, you, cause you had all these, ex- I had all these expectations of mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it was going to be or how, I don't know. Um, and your expectations are almost always wrong about that kind of thing. Nobody ever like, like you know, it's not like a huge disaster to do a not so good show, right? Um, and then the, the expectation that like I don't know, there's a there's an agent in the audience and yeah. he's gonna say you kid, like, 
You're going to the, you're going to the top. Yeah, there there always is like a, a thing, at least for me, of of like, well, I'll be recognized for my talent, surely, <laughs> which turns out to not be the case at all. And, and also the fact that like talent as a latent thing, like talent is inseparable from the act of exercising that talent mm-hmm. by making choices or like just going through the gauntlet of being on stage all the time. Yeah. What I mean by that is like there is no such thing as talent in in a void apart from the fact of picking yourself back up again and doing it some more. You know what I mean? Like you release your talent and discover your talent and exercise your talent all as a part of the same thing. And like, I've always had it in my mind that like, well, there's a lot of talent inside of me and all it takes is somebody (laughs) will discover that invite me to participate. And then my talent will be unlocked and I will just be able to apply my brilliance on whatever project I'm now choosing to work on. And that's absolutely not true <laughs> and not an accurate description of, of what talent is or how it flows. It, it doesn't describe a career path at all. Yeah. It just leaves you stuck in, in a daydream. Forever. But I look at, I have, you know, some of some friends who are, are big, um, um, I'm going to say muscle heads. No, they're just people who they work out a lot, Yeah, which takes a certain amount of discipline. Yeah. And I look at that as like, that's a that's a physical. It's pushing yourself physically, um, yeah, and putting reps in with writing or improv. It's the same thing. Yeah, um, but it does. It takes a certain amount of mental um, fortitude, or yeah, just like sticktuitiveness that you'd have to do for anything. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's. Uh, I don't know. I just watched Pumping Iron again recently for like the third time. Have you ever seen it? No. It's great. It, it was. It, it's a documentary about the 1976 Mr. Universe contest. Okay. Um, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's last Mr. Universe contest. Contest. Oh, okay. So it like follows a bunch of the guys who are going into it, but but the two that that are like the biggest competitors are Lou Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger. Mm. And it, like basically, what you get out of it is like. Schwarzenegger in his prime was a just a monster of a competitor. <laughs> uh, he was just like he could get into people's heads. He had he had the eye of the tiger. He was really he really wanted it, and and he was like super confident, great performer. Um, did everything. It 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 like took like dance classes to learn how to better move his body to show off the beauty of his physique and whatnot. It's a great movie. It's really entertaining. It's got a great funky '70s soundtrack Ooh, that's just completely like that. ludicrous. You would love it. <laughs> um, but it gives me like a whole new like respect for muscle heads be- because like the other thing that you take that's from what the we movie, call them. That's what you call them. I'm sure that they. <laughs> you know what? You know you know that you're you're just full of muscles. So you can't be that upset if people are no. calling you muscle heads. That's what you look. <laughs> But get to know muscle heads, and, and you'll see there's so much more under the surface. I don't know. Than just lifting triangle weights. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think that's it. Well, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know what you mean. But but the thing, the thing uh, you know, that, like, you take away from it is, like, they really study... We want to make our bodies perfectly symmetrical, and we want to make every muscle group as perfect as it can mm. be. And they study it, and and then put all the work into like, okay, make improve on that muscle group, and now move on to the next one. So it's like getting the best out of each individual muscle group, and then stepping back to see how it relates to the whole, and then fixing where the deficit is. So it really is this thing of like, it's the same thing with the brain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> working those working those groups. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, are you that systematic with your comedy? Like, are you like looking at the specific things that you're deficit at and then oh, really no, working no, at it? It's hard to know Yeah, at any given time. Like, oh, I need to, uh, 
I don't know. I need to be better with my satire right now. Right. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, or yeah, there's different ways of grouping it. I yeah. Guess. But, but you can't like there are certain challenges like you can give yourself challenges to like create more physical ideas or create mm. more more something that's more high concept or like I, I struggle with I'm a really good um, puncher upper I think mm. I'm good at punching up stuff um, but I'm a really bad bring an idea to the table guy I just don't seem to have any ideas and that's something that you could probably make a challenge for yourself of like all right I'm really weak there. So, so this week I'm coming up with like 15 ideas, hoping that one of them isn't total shit. Yeah. I mean, going back to a director's role, I mean, yeah, a lot of directors will go out of their way to kind of prompt people into, uh, writing certain types of things. So it can, it can happen automatically. Yeah. Um, sometimes individual performers will say, Hey, I really want to try something like this. Um, you know, talking about their strengths or even they'll say, I, I would like to do something that's totally outside of my comfort zone. And yeah, there's all sorts of different ways to get different types of sketches out of a person. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't self-impose it enough. It's, well, it's like, <laughs> I, I guess some people are better at like being systematic like that. Mm. Um, I know I'm not for sure. I just kind of like follow what feels good. That's been like my life courses like oh that feels right do that uh, yeah I, i'm i i feel like i, I have a, the reputation of like a <laughs> i don't know it's like a, a dog that sees like a car going by and you're very focused for that moment on that that you know this particular challenge yeah. but but there's always like i don't know if i get a new idea that seems just as enticing i'm like oh well, i gotta run after that one yeah um, so there is, there's definitely, there's a certain amount of self-discipline and just committing to the thing that you, you, you set out to do and getting it done. Um, that's the, yeah, the sort of systematic approach that escapes a lot of improviser types who are, you know, are used to just letting stuff come to them as opposed to tackling something and committing to getting it done. Yes. I think that that's a, that's a, 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 a key thing that that and and developing a taste for for receiving criticism and not mm. being <laughs> shitty about it mm-hmm. you kind of get so used <laughs> to not being criticized uh, uh that when your content comes under scrutiny and someone's like that nah, doesn't work i i think that like uh, uh, both that discipline that you're talking about and also being able to be like okay right note taken let's cut it or whatever that's something that like improvisers in general it's a new skill to acquire yeah I'm lucky, I guess lucky, that I'm self-critical, <laughs> yeah. where I just assume I can improve something. Um, and sometimes it goes a little too far, where like, you know, you think something was really bad, and you know, everybody said it was good, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, one more question for you. Sure. Stupid question. <clears throat> uh, uh, your desert island picks for five sketches or five pieces of comedy that uh, uh, would keep you company and make you happy. Like from TV or anywhere? Yeah, from anywhere. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm I'm just curious what like your what you like hold up or look up to is like, yeah, that's that's what always like brings back the feeling. Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, the SNL Gus Chiggins sketch. Which one is that? I don't know that one. That's that's Will Ferrell. He's they're like about to go to war in Iraq or something at the time and he comes in as an old prospector uh, <laughs> I don't know that. they like needed him <laughs> as part of the team and he's just like rattling off like he's like he's covered in like pots and pans and stuff and he's just like you better watch out for coyotes 
And they're all like, what? It's just meh. great. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get to five here. Um, you do three. Okay. Everybody holds up the, uh, and I like it too. There's that um, Mr. Show sketch, this, this show within a show mm-hmm. thing. Or the, the, the pre-taped uh, call the pre-taped call-in show. show. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love, there's just something that's very satisfying about the meta-ness of that. <laughs> it's like a perfectly written sketch, too. Yeah, they were very good at that. Yeah. Not so much in the new season. I agree. <laughs> Conversation for another time, yeah. but I agree. Yeah. Um, and my, my last thing here. Um, I'm trying to go for sketches. Does, it can be anything. Anything. Maybe it could be stand-up or whatever. Um, probably a Chappelle. I was big on Chappelle yeah. for a long time. I rewatched a lot of those. Let's go with the the, the blind uh, white supremacist. Great, real solid, good solid yeah. picks. I I don't think I yeah. No one can prove I'm wrong. No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, and now we've gotten an insight into uh, into your inner workings. All great sketches, all great picks. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, cool. Where, where can people see you next? What do you want people to check out when they come to see you? Do your thing. Um, well, because of the timing of this. Yeah, this is probably yeah. going to be up three weeks after. Yeah. Quarter or two Student weeks. Council's up every three weeks on Mondays cool. at 7.30. And, uh, yeah, you can catch, I think, TMI will be at 7 on uh, Wednesdays for March. And who knows, in April. But nice. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, 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 great time slot for March. I'm sure it's going to be a great time slot for April, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Twitchell, thank you for talking, my friend. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. And thank you all for listening. This has been the Magnet Podcast. A few other uh, thanks. First off, to our producer, Evan Ford Barden, to our engineer, Grant Michael Goldberg, to our executive producer, Ed Herbstman, and to all the wonderful people here at the Magnet Theater. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes. Give us a positive shout-out. We would sure appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks again to today's guest Adam Twitchell thanks everyone bye 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 you've been listening to the Magnet Podcast This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.